You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. I'm Wes Goldberg, and I'm here with David Rumel. We've got a great show today. We're going to talk about Russell Westbrook getting revenge on the Thunder and hit some of the other games from Monday night. But let's start in New Orleans, where the Warriors finally got their first win of the season with a 134-123 to 123 win over the Pelicans. The Warriors entered the night having gotten blown out in each of their first two games. But before I get to the mood around the team here, David, because I'm recording this, as you might be able to tell from the the Smoothie King arena here. Um, were you in on all of the Warriors' skepticism after they started 0-2? I, I hate to say it, but I was kind of in between. And I know that's not exactly the hot take everybody was hoping for, but the reality is that I still have so much faith in Steve Kerr and the organization and Steph Curry in particular. And, and I've been an unabashed Draymond Green fan for a long time. And so I thought that that would be enough to present a a, a kind of – foundation for which the rest of the pieces around them could start to kind of mold and, and fit and, and understand what their place within the team hierarchy should be. But 0-2 was not ideal. In fact, the, the way they got blown out by the teams that they got beat by was not encouraging. So I, I was kind of half in and half out. I had more concerns about them. I think earlier in the summer, I'd actually said whether or not they might even be a, a playoff team. It's starting to look more like they may not be good enough, that they may not turn things around especially with the injury concerns for the team and everything else. The loss of Kevin Durant doesn't help. And, and so I, I, I have to say I'm very skeptical about whether or not they can find a way to put it all together. And I know obviously you have your finger on the pulse of that team, and so you can understand and speak to what's been going wrong and whether or not they have the potential to break out of it. Well, I think you said something there where you, you, were, you were confident because of the presence of Stephen Curry and Draymond Green, and I think tonight here in New Orleans, they really got back to that. They got back to that Steph Curry, Draymond Green two-man game that was the linchpin of of their crunch time offenses for so long, right? They started the game here in New Orleans uh, with Draymond Green at center. The Pelicans offered them a mismatch where they could do that because they are number one without Zion Williamson, um, and they're missing a lot of guys. Derek Favors, Drew Holiday, and so they were in a situation where uh, they were starting Jaleel Okafor, who, of course, is a big body, but not necessarily so skilled that you're worried about him, right? Especially on the defensive end, where you feel like you could take advantage of him in pick-and-roll situations. And that's exactly what the Warriors ended up doing. They ended up just running this the dribble handoffs and the pick-and-rolls and these things that we've seen Curry and Green do over and over and over and over again throughout their careers together, throughout the, that, the, those finals runs. And when that happened, they established that really, really early. And after that, all the other pieces just sort of fell into place. I had Jordan Poole, one of their rookie guards, had three three-pointers in the first quarter. Uh, you got you know huge contributions off the bench from these other guys because all of a sudden there's so much more space around, and, and they were able to just sort of work off of this this very simplistic, like simple staple of the offense. And I think for a lot of these young guys, and that was a big issue for the Warriors going into this into this game, was that the young guys weren't up to speed. Well, this provided a very simple template. Let those guys run the middle of the floor, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, let them do everything they need to do in the middle of the floor, and everybody else just, like, go to the baseline dunker position, go out to the wing, go out to the corner, you know, just space the floor for those guys. So how confident are you that tonight's win is the start of them kind of reestablishing that identity that's worked for so long? 
Okay, not that's what I was gonna say. Uh, it's mostly about the loss of, of you know Derek Favors and Drew Holiday, who, who arguably are, are New Orleans' two best players at this point. Sure. And if you if you put Derek Favors in front of Draymond Green and you put Drew Holiday in front of Stephen Curry, the defensively that's a lot harder than going up against you know Lonzo Ball and Jalil Okafor, right? right? In those situations. So, uh, and they were able to attack JJ Redick and guys like that who normally aren't on the floor as much as they were tonight. Um, I, I, the overall concerns with the Warriors are the same is that there are going to be nights where guys like Jordan Poole don't shoot, hit three threes in the first quarter and kind of put his imprint on the game. There's going to be nights where it's really where D'Angelo Russell is struggling because there's not as much space. I think D'Angelo Russell more than anybody um, benefited from the addition, the additional space that Draymond Green playing center created and Steph Curry just hitting a bunch of shots created. Um, I'll say this though. I don't think it's going to be as bad as it was the first two games. I mean, the defense was historically bad. It's not it, it, and I think the Warriors are going to have one of the worst five defenses in the league this season. I don't see a way to not be that, but they're not going to be as bad as they were either because it just seems impossible to be that bad all the time. So you're going to have like some sort of reversion to the mean, whatever that looks like. Um, but they won't like as long as their defense isn't at historically bad levels, and you've got better shooting nights from Curry, and you assume that the offense and they're and look for their sake, they're confident that the offense will fix itself with more time and more understanding and, and you're seeing things like tonight where it does feel like the guys are understanding how to play off of each other a little bit better defensively. They have to fix the pick and roll defense. And I know that's what Steve Kerr is drilling, but I also know that they don't really have the personnel to be really good at defending the pick and roll, especially while Kevon Looney and Willie Colley Stein are, are out with injuries. A lot of people are taking advantage of these uh, seeming weaknesses in the golden state system to kind of pick holes at what uh, Steve Kerr has been able to accomplish as a coach. How confident are you in his ability to kind of figure it out? Does he still have the locker room? Has he started to see any kind of uh, seeds of discontent already starting to grow there? Well, it's just, I, I don't think I'm not I'm not concerned with Kerr at all. I mean, I think you and I saw this, you know, with Eric Spolstra in Miami, and there was a lot of skepticism with him. Oh, LeBron was the only guy that won championships there. It turns out Eric Spolstra probably has done his best coaching jobs since LeBron left. You could argue, right? Despite yeah. not having won a championship since LeBron left, but I think. I think for Steve, it's new because he's never had to coach a team that wasn't in the NBA, that wasn't like ready to go to the NBA finals. Right. Right. And so he's actually been relying on guys like Mike Brown, one of his assistant coaches who coached a lot of bad teams in his day <laughs> for and partly his fault, but it was, uh, he does at least have experience. So he's doing that. But, um, no, I, I'm not, I, I don't think he's going to lose the locker room. I, I don't think that that's really an issue. I think that between, between Kerr, Curry, Draymond Green, and then to a, a lesser extent, but still Kevon Looney, there, there's a certain foundation that they are really, really leaning into. And uh, I, don't think that they could, I don't think that they could afford to lose that locker room. And also the guy, like they have nine players, 23 years or younger. This isn't like a locker room of like vets who know stuff. This is like a group of, uh, like I was talking with Glenn Robinson the other day and he was like, yeah, Steve Kerr seems really, really awesome. Like he actually asked me about my life. That's amazing. And I was like, <laughs> no, that sounds really like a, Thing humans should do with other humans like that's i'm glad you're like really into it um but it's just like you know these guys are young i think they're just appreciative of the moment um and so i think that probably helps they probably did that by design now that i'm thinking about it but um yeah the warriors get off off the schneid there they were started owing two. they get their first win of the season they're going to look to build on it wednesday in phoenix but coming up next russell westbrook gets his first win over his former team you're listening to locked on nba 
Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at checkout. We're going to get to all the other scores from Monday night's action. It was a really fun night of NBA basketball, David, but we've got to talk about what was probably the game of the night, right? It was Houston and Oklahoma City, not only because of the final score, it ended up being a really good game, but because of the players that were involved here. I mean, Houston obviously traded for Russell Westbrook this summer. More accurately, the Thunder traded Westbrook to the Rockets, ready, and we've heard reports that Sam Presti was just, like, gearing for this rebuild. He was just excited after they were basically forced to trade Paul George to the Clippers. I don't know how much of that is true, but it definitely adds to the narrative, which is really all that matters when it comes down to it. The Rockets beat the Thunder 116 to 112. Russell Westbrook has a great game, 21 points on 9 of 16 shooting, 12 rebounds, 9 assists, 1 assist short of a triple-double. Then James Harden, his new teammate, 40 points on 8 of 21 shooting, uh, 7 assists and 3 rebounds. Good night for him as well. And uh, for the Thunder, you know, they haven't looked great at the beginning of the season, despite that win against the Warriors. But uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander has looked really good. So I want to I put a pin in, in the Shea Gilgis-Alexander thing. But Russell Westbrook, what did you see from him tonight, David? He just looked, he looked comfortable in his role. Look, I, there were typical Westbrookian-type moments there. I mean, even when the game, not necessarily on the line, but in the closing minutes of the game, where he looked a little shaky and he sailed a pass out of bounds. And he's still trying to figure out the timing with his team. Obviously, that's... That's still something that's a work in progress. Uh, but he was still able to make a big play also. So it, it's it's the live and die by Westbrook that Oklahoma City fans have been following for years. And now it's just moved on to Houston as well. And so he was actually able to make a big play towards the end there where he corralled the rebound. He came off the baseline, pulled down the board, pulled it back out to the top of the key, and then was able to drive against his opponent, collapse the defense, and then kick out a pass, a beautiful pass to a wide-open P.J. Tucker who nailed a three-pointer there to kind of give them the kind of cushion that they needed in order to seal the win. And I think it's kind of poetic justice that he was able to to finish one assist shy of a triple-double and still pull out to win, something that's been a sharp contrast <laughs> to what we've seen from him over the last few years in Oklahoma City, where he, he was getting the numbers but not necessarily the wins. This is conversely where he just doesn't get that one assist shy, but he still gets the win at least. And This, uh, this is the lesser version of Westbrook, is that he just has one fewer assist per game, and that's him. <laughs> Just being on the ball just slightly less. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, I, that's the I, compromise. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Harden didn't play a great game. 3 of 14 from three-point range isn't yeah. ideal. But he did almost outshoot Oklahoma City from the line. 21 of 22 free-throw attempts. That's amazing. Oklahoma City as a team shot 24 free-throw attempts. So I know a lot of that's home cooking and a lot of that's James Harden to begin with. But it's just it's very, very glaring to see that kind of disparity that way. And Chris Paul, I'll have to give a tip of the hat to him. He actually had some big moments there where he knocked down a couple shots in the fourth quarter where he was almost trying to will his team to a victory, but falling ultimately short. Look, he had a decent line of 15 points of 6-14 and 14 shooting. He had five rebounds and four assists. He's clearly an older version of the player he was, uh, and he still hasn't found the kind of chemistry he needs to with the rest of that team. But... Uh, it's interesting to see that uh, they were able to get such big nights from Shea Gilgis Alexander, as you pointed out, and Dennis Schroeder, who had 22 points on eight of 13 shooting. That was a huge night for him. So uh, he's not you know. been bad this year for them, Schroeder, um, which is surprising because he had been bad for them before. Right. Uh, but Shea Gilgis Alexander has like he. So the Clippers were very reluctant to part with Shea Gilgis Alexander. I mean, you do it 
not even because you get Paul George, but because Paul George is bringing you Kawhi Leonard. That's how much they valued sure. George Alexander. They thought that he was a star even before last season started, and I think a lot of people saw a lot of really promising flashes when he's actually on the court. So to part with him was was tough, but if you're the Thunder, you at least get somebody that you can that you can frame as the centerpiece of the trade. Hey, we're moving in a new direction. This is the guy we have in Shea Gildas Alexander. We're gonna go. We're you know moving away from Paul George. Obviously, we're gonna move away from Russell Westbrook. We're gonna build stuff around him, um, which is you know that's a small task coming off of what you know being a playoff team and everything like that. Uh, but he's done nothing but keep showing those flashes and keep being you know this promising player that everybody really liked in Oklahoma City. And to me, that says a lot for for a rookie as young as he was to go from L.A. in one situation with a guy like Doc Rivers to a whole new place where he's kind of replacing two guys in, in some sense. I don't know. It's, he's been really impressive though. I, I think what he's doing again, 22 points on 21 shots is, is a high volume number. But when you look at these young guys, you kind of want them taking as many shots as they want. Do you want them to be aggressive like that? And I think that's what he's been doing. Yeah. He hasn't shied away from the moment. And that's, that's particularly impressive for somebody who's 21 years old and just in his second year in the league, he's, he's embracing the fact that he's a centerpiece there and it's just it's going to be tough to build around them because obviously Oklahoma City has had a number of problems luring any kind of free agents in the past. But that's why they're stocking in the draft as well so that they could potentially draft guys that are, are comparable in age to Shea and they're going to be a, a new trio of players moving forward. I, I like Oklahoma City's chances in the future, but for now it's going to be a lot of growing pains. But this is a great opportunity for him to figure it out. He looked good in the waning moments of the game. He's really nice attacking the hoop. He's got a nice jump shot as well, two of six from three-point range. So he, he's going to figure it out. And, and the flashes we've seen from him this season are, are very, very encouraging, especially if you're an Oklahoma City fan. How much do you make of Houston's 2-1 and one start? Because you lose to Milwaukee to open up the year. And that was, again, it was a competitive game. They lost to Milwaukee by six points. But you beat New Orleans, you beat Oklahoma City – two fringe playoff teams at best, I think, with New Orleans yeah. and Oklahoma City. Uh, and they've got both of those wins at home. Uh, are you bullish on Houston's start? I, I have to say I'm, I'm more encouraged than I was. I, I, I thought I was concerned about the chemistry, not of, of Westbrook and, and Harden, because I, I got a chance to see them during the preseason in Miami. And, and it's incredible to see them interact with one another. Like the, the locker room with Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City was completely different than it is now with Houston. It's relaxed. They're joking. They're they're exchanging lyrics. They're 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 rapping out loud at each other. It, it's it's incredible. Huh. Like like they're, they're very they're they're close friends, and that's why it's a it's a different vibe around that team. And now I'm much more interested in seeing how they put it all together, and I'm much more encouraged by the fact that they can get along and it's just not going to be this toxic situation. Like even as good as, as they've been in the past, I think Oklahoma's, I'm sorry, uh, Houston with Chris Paul, there is a much more volatile situation. I think it's just the nature of Chris right. Paul's personality. And as much as Westbrook can be an absolute jerk, I think his ability to get along with Harden and, and push the rest of the team in a certain way is going to be really, really positive for this group overall. The fact that a lot of the guys on that team are veterans looking to James to lead them and then for Russell to kind of compliment Harden, I, I think is really encouraging. So I'm not so sure if the record is a true indicator of what this team is like, but I like the pieces, how they're fitting in. And the overall vibe of that group is one I'm much more positive about than I was, say, a few, a few months ago. 
I mean, it's going to be up to Harden and Westbrook to control the vibe and move that in a positive direction because of the whole, you know, Mike D'Antoni is a lame duck coach. There's been, you know, the Daryl Morey, Morey and China stuff. There's kind of been these clouds hanging over them. But if you're two stars and outsized superstar personalities can sort of drive forward a positive vibe, then that and, and obviously if they're winning games, everything starts to shift in that direction. We've got the rest of the scores from last night's action next. You're listening to Locked on NBA. Remember, listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked on NBA on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, please leave us a review. David, let's get to the rest of the scores from last night. The Detroit Pistons kept the Indiana Pacers winless for the 96-94 victory. Andre Drummond had 18 points, 18 rebounds, and two blocks in the win. The New York Knicks won their first game of the season 105 over the hapless Chicago Bulls, who dropped to 1-3, 105-98 behind Bobby Portis's 28 points and 11 rebounds. Joel Embiid had a big night, 35 points, 13 rebounds, to help carry the Philadelphia 76ers 105-103 over the Atlanta Hawks, who had been 2-0. Embiid even hitting some clutch free throws there to help seal the victory for Philadelphia. The Magic Let's stop dropped- there, because <laughs> Embiid hitting those two free throws at the end, that's a big moment, Right. Yeah, it's it's certainly encouraging. I, I think if there's not necessarily a hole in Joel Embiid's game, but there's concerns whether or not he'll be able to hit those kind of clutch shots in those yeah. waning moments of a game. Uh, and for him to be able to knock him down from the free throw line is certainly an encouraging thing. And then they got an overall great game from everybody else in that roster. Atlanta looks like a much better team than a lot of people thought. Um, but at the same time, I, I really like Philadelphia's ability to go on the road, to improve the 3-0 and there, and, and kind of build that momentum for them to establish themselves as one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, if not the NBA. Yeah, Atlanta I'm not all the way in on. I'm, I'm kind of been low on Atlanta just because I'm low on inexperience in general. It feels like they're kind of... they're they're exciting they're fast that's teams that play as fast as they do and that kind of style play tend to fare better at the the start of seasons when um guys are still not in like mid-season condition right and i think they're getting it they're getting a leg up on on the competition that way but philadelphia has been nothing short of awesome and you and i like josh richardson has been such a good fit there I, i love watching him flourish there he had 14 points uh in the game but it's it's defensively what he's able to provide, and it's such an it's such an improvement from where JJ Redick was, who was a liability in playoff situations. I don't like you said. There's not really a hole in Joel Embiid's game. I don't know that there's really a hole on this Philadelphia 76ers roster right now, other than Ben Simmons' three point shot. Mm. Um, I've been really really impressed every time I've watched Philly so far. Yeah, they're uh, gonna look good. Yeah. Let's move on here. Toronto 104-95 over Orlando with 24 points from Pascal Siakam. Again, the Rockets 116-112 over Oklahoma City. The Milwaukee Bucks improved to 2-1 with a 129-112 victory over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Giannis Antetokounmpo had almost a triple-double with 14 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists. You covered the Warriors over the Pelicans, 134-123. In San Antonio, the Portland Trailblazers kept it close, 110, before losing 113 to San Antonio. DeMar DeRozan had 27 points, but Dame Lillard was the story of the game, scoring the final 18 points for the Portland Trailblazers and missing a three-point shot at the buzzer. Yeah. was almost down where it popped out and where it tied the game and sent it to overtime. I like Portland's chances against that team in overtime. Unfortunately, they dropped that one there. There are still two games was, in progress as we're recording this. I mean, I was shocked that uh, – not that Lillard missed the shot because it was a really hard, like falling out of bounds from the corner type of shot. I was shocked by how open he was, though, right? 
Rodney Hood play, delivered the, the inbound pass, and and the Spurs are typically really great at, at defending those type of situations. Just let them loose. The one guy you don't want to let loose, they let Damian Lillard loose. I forgot who it was now who set a screen for him, but it was a, a impressive one. It, it was this kind of cross screen there as Lillard was making a dash towards the, the, the baseline. But right. you got to give Derek it, it White wasn't, credit. It wasn't Hassan Whiteside. He was no. on the bench. No, we know that. Um, but yeah, I give Derek White credit there because he, he left at the last second there and really used his full length and extension to make things more difficult for Dame Little. Look, Dame got the shot off anyway, but he had to fade away in order to take it because of Derek White coming at him and, and, and using that incredible length there. Um, if he had just been able to spot up, he probably would have knocked it down very easily. Yeah. But And Derek White challenged him at the right point there and, and it worked out there. Uh, it was impressive. Yeah. The Utah Jazz pull out a win over the Phoenix Sun, 96-95. to The Denver Nuggets won over the Sacramento Kings, 101-94. to And as of right now, the L.A. Clippers are beating the Charlotte Hornets, 106-94, to with just two minutes left to play in the game. They're going to win that game. We can I say. think we so. Not, we cannot report the final score, but it'll probably look something similar to that. Um, that's it. I mean, a really interesting night of basketball. I think we're seeing a lot of teams start to figure things out. We talked, you know, we started the show with two stories of basically chemistry issues with the Warriors and the Rockets. Um, and uh, I think that this, in general, you know, we're starting to see these teams sort of figure out who they are. And the season's delivering on exactly what what we thought it would be. That was sort of my takeaway from the night of basketball in general is, like, we thought it was going to be a really competitive season. We thought there was going to be a lot of really interesting storylines, and all those things are bearing true. Yeah, it doesn't seem like any of the bad teams have been really, really bad. Even Charlotte has that's a, a win point. to start off the year. I'm most concerned with Indiana at 0-3. Like, that's you, – you have the sense that they'll figure it out. They get some strong production from their guys there. But until they get Victor Oladipo back, I wonder what this team is going to look like. And, I, I, you know, you have to give – you have faith that Nate McMillan's going to be able to control everything there. But for now, they're probably the most glaring thing that, as far as their overall record mm-hmm. is concerned. That's it for us today. Thanks for subscribing to Locked on NBA, and thanks for listening.